0: Welcome to Worship at Grace Lakin. This service was recorded on July 3rd, 2022. Pastor Rem Dias continues the Mark series with a Gospel message from Mark chapter 6 verses 7 through 13 titled, Jesus' Mission Trip. All of you. Oh, well, there it goes. Good morning. It's good to be here. Good to see all of you. Happy uh, to be in the house of the Lord. So we always like to start our worship service remembering our mission statement, the reason we're planting a church in Lincoln. It's at the top of your worship guide. You can grab one in the back. Um, it reads: By grace we are rooted in the gospel, committed to growing together, and to sent to love Lincoln and the nations. If
1: you would please rise, we will join Chad at the call to worship. Good hey, morning. Today's call to worship is based on Psalm 63, verses 1 through 5. I will lead the unbelievable Lord Jesus as leader, and I'll join the unbelievable Lord Jesus as Paul. Earnestly seek the Lord God. Let your soul thirst for Him, let your flesh think. You. As a dry and weary land,
0: where there is no the water. Look upon him in the sanctuary; behold his power and glory. Because, because your steadfast love is better than, better than life, my face. lips will praise you. Bless him as long as you live. Lift up your hands in his name. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I swear to so, in Jesus' name,
1: just to sit in a worship service um, this last Sunday, but man, did I miss, I missed y'all. And uh, so it's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to dive in this morning, but again, uh, if you've been with us, you know our liturgy, we come to just a time of reflecting on Scripture. You know, Scripture is uh, not just our roadmap for life, but it, it's, it really just shows us the glory of God. And when we when you come into the glory of God, and you see this word, it, it exposes us. Uh, and today's uh, renewal and assurance of part of it, kind of deal with anxiety, uh, this theme of anxiety. So let's, let's just read it, and then we'll take a time of prayer. So Philippians chapter 4, 4-7, through seven, it says Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice. It's a command. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about Anything. If you really want to add commentary there you be like, really,
0: Paul? Anything.
1: But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So we're going to take the time of a time to sign up prayer and confession. So yes, if there is a sin that has been waiting, like, let's just fall upon His grace. But i also say if you are anxious this morning, if you're worried, let us, let us just fall and offer that to the Lord. So let's take the time to sign of prayer and confession. discard those that are being persecuted for their faith this morning. Uh, I also just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would help us if we are anxious. W- would you just remind us who you are this morning and that your peace would wash over us? That you would help us to be heroes, that our hearts would have good soil to hear this morning. And your Holy Spirit would awaken faith this morning and those who need to hear, call the gospel and respond. And I just pray that that Father you would um, just continue just to to be with us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, The shorts of parted comes from Jeremiah Chapter 17, 7-8, uh, he blesses the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear so the, you know, you, you really see that houses made not anxious because he trusts in the Lord. He trusts in the Lord. His, his tree is, is planted by what because and he's fruitful because his rest he is falling in trust in the Lord. So let us let us respond uh, with worship and song. Thank you. Through twenty nine, and then next week we're actually not going to dive into that passage. We're going to—that's the uh, beheading of John the Baptist. Um, and just to speed things up a little bit, I want to uh, mention it here, but uh, we'll actually next week we'll start in verse thirty of chapter six. Um, but again, um, I'm excited, and there's even though this is a shorter passage, there's a lot here. So we're going to dive right in. It's on the screen if you want to follow along as well that way. So. Okay, here we go. Chapter 6, starting at verse 7. It says this. And he called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money, in their no belts, but to wear sandals and put on two tunics. And he said to them, he said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you, and they will not listen to you, when you leave, shake the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. And they they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. Uh, I don't know about you, uh, but that sounds awesome. Uh, And and, and so I'm titling this message, Jesus' Mission Trip. Jesus' Mission Trip. All right, let's pray. Lord, I, I thank you for this text, and I am so thankful that you've given it to us. Like as I've just been sitting with it, Lord Jesus, you know that I've been just convicted again that of why I'm here, why we're here. Those who are in you, Jesus, why we're here. It's to join you. It's to join you in your mission. It's this sole purpose why we're here. To give people enjoy you, Jesus. And you go about spreading. Your love. And Lord, I just pray that this text this morning, um, help me just to show what's here. Don't let me say anything that is out of the flesh or just Lord, would we'll be misleading in any way? But Holy Spirit take control and just let even if it's not in my notes, Lord, just help 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 us just to grasp you more. And if some of the truths here, Lord, that we've heard just with you maybe you's, us to receive a fresh light, if it or if there's a new learning here, it's just, i that just to be heroes or doers? and I'm so thankful again, you're coming, I'm thankful, in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, well, you know, it was, this last weekend, the reason I was going is I, I did a wedding for a kid who grew up in the youth group, and um, it's... Fascinating now, uh, all these kids in youth group. Know, this kid was like this tall and scrawny, and now he's giant. Um, it's just really cool to see, uh, you know, all these kids are asking me to do their weddings. Um, and but one of the highlights in youth group, you ask all of them for mission trips uh, for sure. Mission trips, we we, we we take mission trips, and you know. Doing mission trips for 11 years, you realize there's a, a, oh my goodness, there's a bittersweetness to a mission trip. And if you've never, you don't know what a mission trip is or you've never been on a mission trip, a mission trip is when you just take a group from your church and you just go somewhere overseas or maybe another town uh, with the gospel in hand. That's what with the gospel in hand, longing to you know, bring a community, the hope of Jesus, um, with maybe some service sprinkled in there or whatever. And it's just, it's really a, a beautiful time. Of, of just serving side by side. But it's also extremely difficult. <laughs> uh, planning mission trips are never easy. Like I remember it just caused me so much headache and then you have to plan all these projects and you, you, you plan the, the service and, it's, and then you get there and you know people get sick, kids break their arms. Oh my goodness, that was, a, that was a mission trip. That was an interesting mission trip. And you have to rush into the Mexican hospital in the middle of night. Uh, that's yeah, that those are realities that happen. Uh, don't you want to send your kids on mission trip you know? um, But, uh, you know, one of the things, saw so, so much fruit, saw so, so much fruit in mission trips. But one of the things that kind of bothered me in mission trips is like you would go and you would serve side by side and everyone would be ants Like Jesus is awesome and then you would get in the airport. And he would just start to see the belly call, he start falling back on people's face, like, ah. And then he would get home, and then it's like, ah, oh, we're home. And I was like, it, it was like one of the most frustrating things, honestly. And see, what's interesting though? Mark chapter 6 is Jesus is literally calling the 12 and sitting them on a mission trip. He's like, Hey, you know, and the reason I say that is because verse 30, we see that they come back and they report what happened, and you know, some scholars say this is two weeks in between that this is sitting out, but he finally sits there, and what's, one sidebar from this text, though, I want to say from the beginning, is there are a lot of mission organizations that take this text and say... This is literally what you need to do for every single mission trip you do or any mission. You can't, <laughs> you can't take your money bag. You have to go out two by two. Exactly what is here. And that's actually a misreading of this text because we know from the whole, we, we take the whole Bible, the whole Bible says about mission, and we, we know that that's not necessary. But there are certain principles I want you to get, there are certain principles here from this text that would, I mean, that's just why I want to show you that give us um, encouragement and hope uh, as we are on mission, because here's the reality, and here's why so many, this is what so many kids get wrong, and so many people like go on short-term mission trips, this is why I think we get back on the airport, we land, and we get back in our communities, and we get like this, ugh. Because this is what we forget. You're on a mission trip. Right now, okay, just put it on grace-like it. Today, we're starting a mission trip, okay? We're starting a mission trip. Literally, we are going to, after we take communion, we're going to leave here, and we are on a mission trip. And what we're gonna learn from this text is we're gonna learn how Jesus goes about a short-term mission trip. And as Jesus is our leader on this mission trip, what are ways that he can give us encouragement? What are ways that we can be better about being on this mission trip with Jesus and making Alright? I don't feel like very many people are excited about the fact that we're on a mission trip. You look I, I feel like I just told you your dog just died or something, all right? I mean, this is awesome. We are on the mission trip of Jesus in Lincoln, all right? So let's let's figure out how Jesus is going to give us some encouragement for that, all right? So your dog didn't die. Uh, Jesus is alive. Here we go. Um, so the first thing I want you to see, Jesus' mission trip is better together and under his authority. So it's better together than other reasons for you. So we learned last week And Tyler Tree, did he do this a lot? Like, I don't know, Tyler, he's, he's such a, uh, man, I love that guy. He is a, like, that guy, he is going to have an amazing church plan. I just call it right now. Um, but anyway, he, he spouted this text, uh, and I was like, when he told me he just wanted to do the first six verses, I was like, you would have. You would try to do those six verses, and I bet he did a great job. But we learned that you know Jesus—he's um, rejected in his town, his hometown—and then, but verse six of chapter six. So when we go back up. It says this: after he's rejected, he still went out. He still went out among the villages teaching. So these are these surroundings, um, uh, towns around the Sea of Galilee, and then verse seven. Back to our text, the source says, And he called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. Now, notice right again who Jesus is calling. He's calling these twelve, these twelve disciples, and, and he's, like, listen, he has been preparing them for this moment. And why do I say that? It's because you guys are all studious, you know the Gospel of Mark, you've memorized it now. In chapter 1, verse 17, he says this, follow me and I will what make you fishers of men. And then in chapter 3, when he actually had an official calling of the disciples, he said this, and he pointed the twelve so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. So he's been preparing them, he's been walking with them, and now he's like, alright, game time. And the first thing, two, uh, man, I might preach preached a long time, man. I didn't preach last Sunday, so double, double <laughs> sermon today. So, one thing you've got to notice right here, this is beautiful, those who are called are always sent We love, like, and I love this too, we love the words of Jesus when he says, oh, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Our name of our church is Grace Inn. Grace. We're all about grace. We love it. We love it that Jesus says, oh, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and then, yes, you come to him, but once you come to him, once he calls you, guess what Jesus says next? Go! Huh. I'm sending you go go Jesus wouldn't know anything he wouldn't know the argument if someone says oh Jesus I just want to be called by you I just want to be called but don't send me I don't want to go. I'm really bothered when people ask me and if you ask me I don't think anybody's asking you so you can say yeah. like you don't have to read the rest of the sermon oh is that me did I ask for that when people ask me, uh, hey, Rick, do you think your kids are going to go into ministry? Do you want to know what my 100% answer is all the time? Yes! Absolutely they're going to go into ministry. Now, that ministry might look like a famous Rubik's cube, Or that ministry might look like an engineer. That ministry might look like a farmer. But people of God do not like. I'm just called to vocational ministry. Okay, I get paid to do this, <laughs> which is kind of crazy. All right, and it's just it's, it's really humbling, actually. Like every but okay, every single word. If you're called by Jesus, Jesus has come into your uh, hold on with me. You have been called into ministry. He has ministry for you to do. This is where we get it so wrong in the church sometimes. Listen, we are all called to some type of ministry. Your 10 o'clock on a Tuesday and your work is not not a time just to check. No, ministry can be done. Listen, see. I gotta move on. Then notice so I want you to notice something. That this is really the point. I really want to make you. Jesus commissions the disciples to go two by two. Now he does this for one reason in particular. First, he does this because Deuteronomy, you can put this in your notes, Deuteronomy 17, 16, and Matthew 18, 16, and other places in the scriptures, we understand that the Bible, again, it's in a historical context, and in this time. For a, a, um, a, a, someone to be deemed a credible witness, there had to be two. And so, first off, I think Jesus is actually sitting out two by two because he's saying, okay, most people will not accept them if they're just one. And when there's two witnesses, they're, what they're saying is, is more likely going to be accepted, way more. So I, I do think that, but even more, I think what's happening here is Jesus' understanding that ministry is always better. It's always better done as a team than solo. It's a team sport. Now that doesn't mean that you don't ever have time to solo ministry where you're like out at work and someone asks you to pray for like, hold it, I gotta call someone else. And get my two by two, and then I can try. No, it's weird. Like no, or like does that ever mean like you, you can't share the gospel? Just by yourself? No. But what it does mean is that scripture and scripture testifies this all around. You see it in Acts. Oh my goodness, you always see it in Acts. That there's, you know, Paul Barnabas. You know, and, you know, this always there's 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 two by two going out because listen, when we go together. When we do ministry as a team, guess what? hand-on, we have way more accountability. There's there's way more uh, discernment when we go out as a team. And there's way more encouragement. I mean, imagine going on a mission trip by yourself. Like, again... I remember, oh my gosh, this one mission trip, every kid was driving me crazy, oh, it was awful, uh, and I just wanted to just drink, like, we were, it was such a hard trip, we had like 40 youth. you, and this job at the orphanage, we partnered with this orphanage, and we'd go back to it every year, which is really important for a short-term mission trips, by the way, because sometimes we go to one of the community, hey, Jesus you, and then we leave, and say like, what? Stay with the community, when we do a short-term mission trip, we will stay with the community, Uh, We to build that relationship. It's very important. Anyway, so we were back at at this orphanage, and the the director wanted us to bring rock back to the orphanage and put it all around the orphanage, uh, because they would get rain, and then they would just flood up, and it would get muddy, and all the kids would just get super muddy. So I was like, okay, this is missional. And so we went out to the desert. Okay, this is awful. We went out to this desert, Mexican desert, and we had to dig to the side of this mountain and, and, and then throw this dirt into this shifter and it would barely get out some pebbles, And then we'd get the pebbles in the bucket and then we'd throw it in the truck and then we'd go back to work. I remember I was so, I was done at this moment. I was hot, tired, and then one of the kids just started singing. And I went first, smacked it really hard. But then there was like some Christian song, and I was like, Worship song I was like, oh, okay. But I and I, but I just remember strength coming back in me. And I just remember us them got into the song. Us them coming together. It just lifted me up.
0: I was like, yeah.
1: Absolutely. See, our listen, this is, our culture is just getting so just do you, bro. Just you. Just do you. And and our culture would say this, wouldn't you get more done? I mean, I, I feel this in me, like, a lot. Don't, wouldn't you get more done if it was just you? You're not talking about people. And they just slow you down. And I was thinking about this, and I was thinking, okay, yes, I believe, like, sure, Jesus is smart. Um, if he sent them out individually, Do you think they probably could have gotten more done in a short period of time? Yes, probably, more likely. But Jesus always thinks long haul. And I'm telling you right now, Grace Lakin, if we're going to make it long haul, we cannot go about this just doing us. We're not going to make it for the long haul. Go ahead and look around. Yeah, hey, go ahead. Go ahead. It's okay to look around the church. I mean it. Look around. Look around at people. <laughs> You're gonna, We're gonna need each other. We're absolutely gonna need each other. And you just looked at the person and like, "Oh my gosh, that person? I'm gonna need Sure. Yes. For the long haul, that's what we need. And I want you to see something here too. This is kind of a side. If God has been stirred in your heart to be a like this body, every single one of you has gifts. Every single one of you, and do not believe it for a second right now, like, oh, of course he's got to say that, has a part to play here at Grace Lake. Every single one of you. And we need every single one of you. And if your heart has been served in any way, to serve in any way. Just come talk. Like we want to activate as many like that is like this. If you want to know deep down in my goal for this next year is start activating people from like left and right. And but I also want you to know too, a lot of people think when they think, oh I gotta get my gifts to the church industry it's like I gotta be a greeter, I gotta be a nursery worker, I gotta start some school, I gotta be start some program or be part of some committee. Yes, those things are great. Yes, we want your gifts in those. But understand, ministry, again, is literally you walking out that door and going to pick up some fireworks. Ministry can be done. So don't look like, it can be done. All right? So, again, two by two, they're going out. But then notice this. The text says, and he gave them authority over unclean spirits. Now, this is fascinating, because again, who is he talking to? He's talking to these disciples who are kind of morons at this point. They just don't get it. They're just, they're just, they're, I mean like, yeah, they're just, I mean, they kind of are. They're just like, they don't get things. And Jesus says, like, I'm going to give you authority. I'm going to give you authority. And and this is amazing, because the word sin in the Greek is literally sent out on an authorized mission on behalf of the sinner, <laughs> so they are not going out in the disciples' name. I mean, that would have been really awkward because they're just not that great. But they're going out in the authority <laughs> Jesus is given in authority, and in when we're in Jesus, guess what? And He called us. He's given you authority that like you can go out in His name, and that's really important. It's about His name. We're going out. Not in Grace Sake's name, we're not going out in your name, and you're trying to build some self-righteousness in yourself to make yourself feel better, name. You're going out in Jesus' name. And why this stirs me is because, oh man, I was listening to a sermon this week and uh by a guy named really David Platt, and he he was he was talking about uh, this uh, their church sent some trainers to um, these, 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 these mission trip trainers to a, a village in Bihar, India. This was like some years ago, and Bihar, India is like one of the darkest places in the world, and they're like less than one percent Christian. Okay, and there was these couple of these chicken farmers who wanted to start a church in Bihar, India, and he was like, okay. You know, the <laughs> got these chicken farmers together and there were just two of them. And the, this is what this is what the, the 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 guys from David Platt's church said to him. We just want you to go out into the village and say this. Hi, we are here in the name of Jesus. That's that authority. In the name of Jesus, anything is there anything we can pray for you about? And they thought, that sounds awful. You get all the way from the United States just to tell us that. And uh, that's the training. And they're like, okay, well, nothing else is working in We India, so let's go ahead and try it. So they go out, and they start going around the villages, and they're instantly started being rejected by this. But they come up to one person, and they say, hey, we're here in the name of Jesus. And they say, we're well, oh, Jesus in Jesus' name. And I go, all right, here we go. Close. And they're like, can you tell me more? And they're like, no, I'm sorry. Yes, we can tell you more. And they're like, wait, wait, wait. Before you tell me more, can I go get my family? And they're like, "Yes, go be your family." And so they go get their family, and they come together. And then they're like, "Within that week, twenty people are saved." And then they just start teaching other people the same thing. Just go out and say, "Hey, hi, I'm here in the name of Jesus." Is there anything we could pray for you about? Fast forward three years, three hundred and fifty churches have been started and in villages in of India. Starting from these two. Now I don't know about you, but you guys are pretty smart. My like, around, I mean you some smart people. I think we could say, hi, we are here in the name of Jesus. Is there anything we can And I say that because in the name of Jesus. That that's they were saying, hey, it's it's his authority. And same thing here, it's it's Jesus' authority. To just go out in his name. And you're good. It's his authority that he has been given. It's in his power. And we go out in his power, and amazing things can happen. But that also ties into the second point um, that I want to make. Jesus' mission trip teaches us dependency. Jesus' mission trip teaches us dependency. See, as the text goes on, we learn more about what the disciples are not supposed to do than what they're supposed to do. I love it. He said this, he said to them in verse 8, he charged them to take nothing for their journey except his staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not put on two tunics. It's the worst packing list ever. And um, so like, he said to them, okay, don't take a you know, take a staff, and it's really interesting here, this is a staff used for walking, this isn't like the staff that I used when we talked about Psalm 23, where it was a rod, where you could defend yourself, so they couldn't even go packing. this is like, you just take a staff, and it's just for walking, and then no bag, and you're like, what's this no bag? This would have been a bag used for begging, like a money beggar bag, where like, hey, Give me some money. Don't even take that because you're not going to be begging. And then, don't take money. (laughs) Okay, Jesus? I got the no bag. No money. And then at the top of oh, by the way, don't even take bread. And the reason why, as we're going to see, is because they were going to be dependent on God number one, but also dependent on the hospitality of others. Which is really it. Profound. But what this also teaches us is Jesus is teaching disciples and us about ministry is travel light because he is our provider. See, I found that I found this interesting. I had to do a paper a couple weeks ago on the Passover and as I was studying the Passover, one thing I realized as I was studying the Passover in Exodus 12 is Jesus is actually, I mean, yeah, Jesus, but God was actually trying to teach the Israelites the same thing. Be ready to leave Egypt in a belief. Like the Passover was actually supposed to be, and, and how they were, the Feast of Unleavened Bread was all meant to to be a, a feast that was like, could be prepared really quickly and we could just move. If he said, Go, we're going to go. And they did. They went in the middle of the night. And so it was like, Hey, travel right. And Jesus is saying, Hey, be dependent on me because why? He is trying to show them it's about faith. He's trying to stoke in us faith. I mean, again, back to this mission trip illustration. When I led mission trips, I gave, we had all these meetings, and you're know, you probably sign right away kind of thing. And parents were like, Oh my gosh, like but then you, would, then you would give them the beloved form, and the beloved form was the packing list. And every every single year, it got bigger for me. I just added more, because his parents were like, what about it, like, I'm sure add it to the list. Uh, and then I would always put, oh, never mind. Um, but imagine if you got a packing list, and it just said, uh, you know, you got a packing list for me. And it's, okay, um, one outfit, okay? A stick <laughs> and, you know and I guess sandals she'd you be know, like I knew we hired the wrong guy <laughs> but but here's what again Jesus is teaching he's pushing into like you can trust in me. And today, listen, I started getting convicted here on this point. Today, I think we are actually in danger of what Jesus is trying to teach here because we don't travel light. We actually travel with a ton of baggage. See, we have... In the West now in the church realm, I've been to a lot of church planning conferences, a, a lot of things. We tend to just... Overcomplicate things. We tend to think we have to have all of this thing, we have to have the smoke and, you know, people dance and make everything. I, it's just, we, we, we tend to have to have everything together. We have to have everything calculated. Before we start a program, before we do this, we have to have it mapped up five years in the future. I mean, five years in the future, which I'm not against. Planning, I think mean, that's planned. But if we are always waiting to be ready for ministry, we're never going to jump. We're never going to do anything. If we're always calculating. Oh, we're ready. Or, oh, 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 we're not. Oh, we're not. We're just going to just be like, what's no part of a church plan is jump for crying out loud. Like. It doesn't take a lot of faith to sit in pews. I, don't, I mean, no offense, but come in here. It doesn't take, I mean, to sit here. I mean, it's pretty cool in here, you know. Got some coffee for you. It doesn't take a lot of faith. It takes faith to join, to step out and see. One of the prerequisites for ministry is dependency. It's a, okay. Uh, it's, it's faith on Jesus. It's I'm leaning in on Jesus because he is the one with authority. He's the one that's going to make this thing go. And see, this is why actually I feel like God wired me to be, you know, love to be a church planner because it's like, this is one of the beautiful things about church planning is like, yes, let's jump, let's go, let's risk, let's, let's take new ground, but here's the danger. I've been here a year, we're getting some, we're growing one of the dangers with us at Grace Lake, and you know one of the dangers is us getting complacent. Us getting some success and getting some momentum, and then we start thinking, and then we don't, we don't start risking. We stop risking. We stop jumping. You know, part of the next, where, when are we going the next church? We should put it like five years from now. How are we going to? Being church at Plans Church, what new ground are we taking? Like that's what Jesus is saying. Hey, it's about faith. It's about dependency. Are you tracking with me? Are we tracking? You guys here? And then finally, Jesus's mission trip involves both word and deed. Jesus's mission trip involves both word and deed. Jesus goes on to give more instruction. I find this He said to them, Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you, and they will not listen to you, <laughs> when you leave, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. And again, you see hospitality at work here. Hospitality, it was so different in that culture. It was so frowned upon not to accept a teacher that was coming to you. Into your home. It would have been a huge offense. So they're saying, once you're staying, like someone invites you, like, stay with them. Don't go around, like, oh man, that house over there, I heard they're like, they do bagels in the
0: morning.
1: Really good coffee. No, it's like, stay in. Don't go around, like, stay. And then, what's this phrase shook me, what's with this shake the dust off your meat business? And it shook me because I found that literally when Jews would leave, they'd go on a journey and get something for trade, and they would come back into their region. Okay, they would go into a Gentile region, and they would come back into their region. They would shake the dust off their feet. This would be a common practice as if to say, wow, we've got to shake the filth that we came from as we reenter back into a Jewish place. And so there's a little of that going on here, but really this is a symbol a of saying, hey, the wrath of God is on you. you. You now are accountable to God. We came and delivered the message. You reject it now. You're accountable. You're accountable. And what this also teaches us about ministry is that people are going to be indifferent to you sharing the gospel. And this is why I want to bring in the next passage that we're going to kind of skip over next week. Like, Notice that what follows this section is the beheading of John the Baptist. How encouraging is that, Mark? Hey, go out two by two, We have authority, whatever. And then the next section we have John the getting his head chopped off because he is pre- he's proclaiming the gospel. So, do you think people are gonna be indifferent to the gospel? Absolutely. But what should always be your response as you go out? As we um, Grace Lake Kings mystery trip starts, and we walk out, and you start sharing the gospel, and people are just close the door, close the door, close the door, close the door. I am not want to say to some Christians that get all discouraged you know, I just want to say, shake and toss off your feet and move on. Not as a way of saying, I'm condemning that person to hell and I'm just done with it. No, keep praying. Keep, keep loving them. Keep serving them. But realize that God is working. That's a closed door for now. Keep praying, but they're also open doors. Move on. But then what is their response? And we'll end here, verse twelve. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. And they, they man, they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. Now the oil here. This is interesting. This is the this is uh, here and also in. James chapter 5, James chapter 5, we have uh, anoint with oil, uh, and this anointing with oil is really interesting because this is, this is a, a symbol representing the healing power of the Holy Spirit, so there's nothing really uh, mystical about oil, it was just symbolic, it was a symbolic way to represented the, you know, the way the Holy Spirit can work in healing, So, they are to go out, and they've been anointed, before many were sick. And then, this is what's really fascinating. What was the message? What was the message that they were saying? They were saying, repent. And why that's fascinating is because that was Jesus' message from the very beginning of the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 1, you have Jesus says repent and believe the good news." That's why he came. He came out. And so they are literally doing what they saw their Savior do. They're just following. But notice, this is so important, guys, in the church. If you've heard this, this theme of word and deed before it just hang on it just you have to notice that what is happening in their response is you see both word and deed together. So you, you see the word of them saying repent. Hm. You see the deed by casting on demons and anointing sick. And, and see there are every one of us will fall on one side or the other. We either fall more on our words or on our deeds. But if you go out and you are all words. Jesus that. Jesus this. I I got this theology. Let me tell you this. Which is great. If you need, like, let me tell you the gospel. Great, that's word. You need the word. You need to tell people what you're hearing. You need to tell people, but like, word, word, word. And then, but you're a jerk. <laughs> you're all word, and they look at you and like, dude, you're like the worst worker that we have. You're like the meanest dude. Your words are not giving you credibility. Jesus was healing and doing things to give his words credibility. They were validating his words. See, one author, I love how he summarizes it. Words without deeds have no credentials. But, so that's one of us. That's some of us. But deeds without words have no eternal impact. So some are just like, oh, we need to do good deeds. I'm going to serve. I'm going to invite my neighbor over. I'm going to get involved in this Deeds, deeds, deeds. I'm going to do a bunch of deeds. I'm going to serve a bunch of people. But then you never bring the word. One of my mentors used to say, "Hey, Brent, you know what? You know what? You want to know what the difference is between McDonald's and the church?" He's like, "McDonald's can love people." I was like, "What are you, what are you talking about?" He's like, "I mean, McFlurries." I was like, "Yeah, that's right, McFlurries, and they can bring you in, and you can sit." I mean, McDonald's can love people. The church can love people, but what makes it different is that we love people in Jesus' name. We bring Jesus name. we go out with the gospel and we do the deeds, but then we say, let me point you back to the redeemer. Let me show you <laughs> who it's all about. So we have to have the reverb handy. And, and see, so, as I begin, I close here, Grace Laden are on the mission trip. <laughs> Let me just say to you, when I, when we get done and we walk out these doors, it's not over. like it, This is a gathering or a gathering, but we're actually walking out with Jesus as our leader. And, and just imagine, I thought about doing this, making a packing list and having one thing at the top. Like, Whoa, he gave them mother's lease. Why this one thing? Let's simply just say, rest in Jesus. Because we're going out realizing that Jesus did, do you realize like, he did the ultimate mission trip? Like, he entered into this world to redeem humanity by laying down his life on the cross so that we can actually join him in the mission trip. So let's let's realize that mission trip isn't just for some summer time or planning in the future, but it's it starts to happen. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your work and I pray that God you would just help us to to rest in and I pray that God again you'd help us to be not just heroes but yours thank you for your amazing Well, we come kind of like again to a time of communion, and as, uh, as we go from text to table, I, I was thinking about again, remember uh, where this mission trip, and the sacrament, and I was thinking about the mission trip in two by two, and the sacrament was always meant to be taken together. And this is what binds us together. And this is also the power in the mission trip. This is because this is where the power comes from. Because guess what? If Jesus didn't lay down his life and shed his blood, guess what? We would we wouldn't have a mission. But because he has, we have power. We have power to to, to walk out. And so uh, the words of the institution again come from First Corinthians eleven, where he says, "For I received from the Lord, but I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus." And the night that he was betrayed, he took bread, and after he had given thanks, he broke it and said, "Do this in remembrance of me." He says, "For you, my father, do this. Do this in remembrance of me." In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he said, "Hey, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me." So again, as I have said here every week, but it needs to be said, this is Jesus' table. This is his feast. This is for the believer. This is for those who have responded in faith. So if that is not you, you're still trying to figure this Jesus thing out, I'll just ask you not to take it, This isn't for you, but to sit in the pew and look on and know, right now, there is a Savior, And his name is Jesus, and he came to die for you. And just repent and believe the gospel. And if you do, don't walk around of here without telling something. It's the best news in the world. But again, this is, this is not Grace Lake, the on the UBC table. This is for any of who is coming to say, I an this. I mean, and so, Jesus, we, we pray over this, and this is just bread, and is just Lord, you you uh, you've given it to us as a way of strengthening our union with you. Thank you that you have given it to us, and I just pray that Holy Spirit, you would just bless these elements, bless this time, prepare our hearts, help us to come. So, again, we use the tension. Um, and so, when your heart is ready, you can take your time. You can come up and you will just tear a piece of the bread, dig it into juice, and then you will return back to your seats. We also have a free option if, if that is needed. So, when your heart's ready, Thank you for this offering. Lord Jesus, I pray. And Lord, I just pray that you would just draw near and near to you as we're well. trying to the mission. So thankful. In Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Uh, where
1: well you can see the text for Tyson offering is Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So that's coming from Turn on the Mount and getting started with the money. And, you know, it's just this idea that uh, giving protects our heart. Giving, uh, again, and someone told me once hey, show me your checkbook, I'm sure you where your heart's at. And it's this idea that uh, we, we, give, we give for the expansion, we give for the mission. We don't give the, just, you know, it's for the mission, it's for the kingdom. So if your heart is stirred to give, um, there's black boxes, you. Exit the sanctuary on the left, there's ways to give online, and you can drop your donation in there again and make sure the checks are to grace the uh, But I thought this song, we didn't play in this actually, uh, is so appropriate for this message. Um, it's just like an arrow cry. Church, we need to rise up and we need to go. So I don't know if yeah, you guys thought the same, but let's sing it out.
0: Joining us at Grace Laken. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at KS, on YouTube, and at GraceLaken.com.